Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress and host of Talking Timber. In this episode, we will be speaking to Jack Thornburg, who has had a long career as a logger and is the past president of the Sierra Logging Conference. He's gonna be talking to us about his experiences including hella logging and some of the opportunities for the next generation. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation. Both promote technical forest education through projects like this podcast. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation awarded over $20,000 in scholarships. If you or someone you know would like to apply for a forest-related scholarship, applications are open now. Just visit www pacificforestfoundation.org. We also want to thank our sponsors, Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. Each issue of both magazines is packed with valuable and useful job stories on successful mechanized harvesting plus wood processing techniques. For more information, just visit www.forestnet.com. Okay, let's hear from Jack. Yeah, my name's Jack Thornburg. Uh, my wife's here with me, Kathy, and I've lived in uh, North Fork, California for my whole life. It's about 3,000 feet elevation. The timber starts right here, and we have a 100-acre uh, uh, place that we grow trees, and we used to have cattle, and we have an orchard and whatnot, and, and now we're raising grandkids. Uh, I... <laughs> I uh, I worked for the Forest Service for a little bit in the beginning of my uh, career. Before that, I went to school at uh, Sierra High School and North Fork Elementary, and I went to Modesto Junior College and got a forestry certificate. And then I worked for the Forest Service a few years, and I worked for uh, Norby uh, Lumber Company, uh, Edgar and John Norby, setting chokers out in the woods. And in 1979, I went to work for uh, Columbia Helicopters. And I, yeah, and I uh, I set chokers and chased chokers and bump knots and and uh, and kind of worked my way up. And Kathy and I got married in what, 92? Or 82. Yeah, 80, 1982. And uh, kind of started a family running around uh, with Columbia. And uh, when our uh, one of our daughters, uh, Patricia, when she was born, uh, I, Kathy waited about six or seven days and came down to Louisiana. We were logging in the swamp. And I was, the first day I went out there, I looked around and I, I was out on the gas line and I seen a 15 foot, 12, 15 foot alligator. And, and I told Kathy, I says, we're going out on this gas line because I got to take a picture with you and the baby to show people in North Fork what ate me out there in my strip because, <laughs> because there was no way we had enough money to get home and we had to stay there. I couldn't quit. So I took that picture and, and we, we, we logged there and it was successful and I didn't get bit. But I've been down there several times since and we've been in just about every state with with Timber working with uh, Columbia. And uh, in 1996, I became a project manager. Okay. 
So Kathy, I was going to ask Kathy how it was like traveling around all over the place. Oh, it was like you had your own little family that went from town to town. So it, it wasn't so bad because you had your friends that always moved with you. Oh, that's cool. Kathy, she, she kicked us out in the morning and so did the rest of the wives and they cleaned and then they, they, I think they played cards for the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have dinners with the crew. It was a, it was a different kind of an error because the same crews kind of stayed to, together wherever we went. And we was kind of like a, a big family and we all kind of stuck up for each other and, and uh, you know, all cared for each other. And I had a 1976 Chevy pickup I bought and I parked it here on the ranch at, in 1986 and it's still sitting in the same spot. I drove, I drove a company rig ever since, but <laughs> yeah. So for when you you were talking about the this crew, how big is a crew are you talking about that went from place to place? Well, I went in 1986. My my boss, the uh, vice president of forest operations, Max Merlick, he he said, "Well, you're going to be a project manager," and he sent me from uh, the coast of Oregon over to uh, Idaho, Loman, Idaho, and uh, there was a timber sale there. It's called Five Mile Salvage. And that was the first job I ever had. And then I went to uh, a job near uh, near uh, Idaho. Let's see, Boise. Uh, what was the name of that place that we went? Uh, Idaho Springs or something. And uh, and pretty much a 107 crew was uh, five or six uh, guys in the woods and five or six on the landing and three or four or five pilots and a couple of uh, uh maybe three or four mechanics and night watchmen and pretty small, but a close knit family. And when it was time to go, we went and, 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 and followed the cutters around the, the cutters maybe ranged from 10 to 15 guys. Okay. But then in, in 1991, 90, maybe uh, we max put me on a Boeing 234. And that required a much bigger crew, uh, probably, you know, 10 or 15 guys in the woods and 10 on the landing and 30 cutters sometimes and 20 trucks and six pilots and maybe wow. 10 mechanics. So that was a, that was a pretty big organization and we filled up uh, hotels and trailer courts and pretty much wherever we went, and, but it was a lot of fun. So how long did you do that? Uh, in in uh, 1984, 85, uh, I became a, a procurement forester uh, going out and, and doing bid analysis for Columbia. Okay. And, uh, and uh, Kathy, our oldest daughter, Jennifer, started going to high school. So she, she went home and that's, pretty much where she stayed she came out a few times but when the kids all started getting high school she she stayed home and uh and I was out on the road with the 234 and the crew so Kathy how was that change um we adjusted <laughs> <laughs> and I got really involved with my community and stayed busy here so and I've always kind of grew up in a logging family and 
um, my great grandfather started out logging with oxen back in the late 1800s. Um, so I've kind of went full circle from my great grandfather. My grandfather worked at a mill. My dad had his own logging business. And then of course my husband, you know, we went from oxen to helicopter logging. So it's kind of a wide, widespread there. Yeah. Your family's seen it all. Yes. So did any of the kids go into the business? Yes, our son actually has formed his own business now, and that's Jack's um, working with, with him with his business. Oh, okay. South Fork Forest Solutions, and, okay. and it, you know, it's ongoing here. We, I think we're going to go over, and we've been in uh, negotiations. I think we're pretty well tied up, but uh, they had a big fire over in Santa Cruz here this last, the CZU fire, and, yeah. and it bur burned up uh, – a lot of coastal redwood and I had logged over there before for the McClary's and they called me and said, Hey, can you put some kind of a helicopter job together? And I said, well, I don't know. We'll see. And so I think we're going to, I think in about three weeks, we're going to go over there and start logging with our crew. We're going to have a, a woods crew and a landing crew and, a, and a loaders and, we're going to have uh, Grove Contracting cut it and Croman Corporation fly it with an Exif S61. But there's still some uh, hoops to go through, but it's looking better every day. Kind of, kind of scary. So for folks who aren't as familiar with helicopter logging, can you kind of explain to them what that looks like? Well, it, it can be uh, three or 400,000 board feet, uh, or it can be uh, 30 million board feet. Uh, the Forest Service used to log a lot of uh, salvage sales, okay. which I think were really necessary because it started the rehab process. Not, they don't quite do that so much anymore. We really struggled for a long time with some of these sales uh, with species of concern like the spotted owl and whatnot with low volume per acre sales and really not doing much for forest health. And, you know, the, there's one thing about these forests, you know, it's kind of like your backyard after you go back there and cut and cut and mow your grass. And there's a lot of material every time you do it. Well, the forest is the same way and you know, it needs to be managed as well. And we, we tried to do that, but we ran into lots of, lots of regulatory, but during with the fires, you could actually get some volume per acre because a fire, it, it kills small trees and big trees and the forest service and BLM and the state uh, ODF and, and uh, Washington state and uh, Cal fire. They used to do a lot more, a lot more of that. And they still do that. That's why we're going to Santa Cruz, but it's, it's mostly uh, private property that we're going to be logging over there. So I've, when I've seen helicopter logging, I've seen them when they, um, somebody's down and they tie the logs up and I've seen that, you know, the helicopters lift the logs and take off with them. What happens at the landing? Kind of a reverse of that? Well, you, you know, depending on the size of the wood and whatnot, but on a 107, it's a 10, you know, 10,000 pound lifter at the end of the cycle, you try to average around seven or so. And okay. the guys will take as many chokers as they can drops at 20 or 30. And then they set up uh, turns and depending on the elevation and the and the temperature and and whatnot, they uh, 
they they set the turns accordingly and they hook out uh, four turns in rotation, like five guys, 20 turns. And it, it'll, one guy will get four and the next guy will get four. And by the time it gets back to you, you're ready with another four. And then, and then there's two or three guys on the landing, of course, that coil the chokers and get them ready to go and not bumpers that uh, process the logs, the lo loader operator, generally a front end loader will put them in a chute and, They'll work the logs up and process them and cut the defect out of them, make sure they're preferred lengths and, and pretty logs. You know, when you're helicopter logging, it's expensive and, and you want to give the customer the very best log you possibly can. So that's, that's what we tried to do. And, and the wheel loader takes those logs and put them in, puts them in a deck for the, for generally a shovel and the shovel track shovel loads them out. And uh, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, so helicopter logging, because it's expensive, um, ideally hard to reach places. Is that where you usually end up finding jobs? Yeah, lots of different reasons over the years. Uh, it, I think it kind of started that way. We're uh, inaccessible. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to fly out in a small helicopter, a Hiller 12E or a Hughes 500. Uh, you know, it was most of the time it was too far to walk, but towards the end of my career, it seemed like everything kind of got a little shorter. We logged for Pacific Lumber Company, and a lot of those jobs was, were real close yarding, really nice wood. Um, they were kind of in a pickle in the wintertime under their habitat conservation plan to be able to get enough wood to keep going. So they hired uh, Columbia Helicopters to come in and and uh, get get that wood out in the wintertime so they could keep the mills going. And it worked real well. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you guys ever do any work with when it, when it's fire season? Do they ask you to come, come in and do things or? Sure. They, in the, in the beginning of the thing, we, we, we probably didn't do as much as we could have, but because we were logging, but mm -hmm. of course with less logging, you know, fires kind of became a bigger deal and, and the fires have become a bigger deal anyway. I, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame and, and a helicopter, especially a 107 or a 234, 234, 2,500 gallon uh, yeah. payload, you know, pretty good, pretty good charge of uh, water. And it's a, it's a really good tool for agencies to use. And they're, they're still using them. They, they use a bucket or they have tanks inside them now that it, uh, okay. works real well in uh areas like LA County and Santa Barbara, where there's a lot of houses and whatnot, and the external load is a concern. Okay. So Kathy, do you ever get nervous when these guys are all out there logging or you've seen it so much, it's not that big a deal anymore. Well, you always tend to get a little bit nervous, but um, I'm a pretty calm person and <laughs> pretty much seen it and have faith in what they're doing. So but there's always that risk and danger, of course. Yeah. So, so for you, what's been the biggest change over the years when you started out and now? What do you think? <laughs> well, we're going we're going from helicopter logging to cat logging now, and okay. And we've got a couple of five twenty five uh, caterpillar skitters and a Deuce on two twenty five loader and a processor twenty twenty one fifty four with a pros uh, decon head on it or uh, oh gosh forget what the head is but anyway it's a processing head okay and uh lots of different stuff so and we're you know we're we're trying to we we had a job for 
a year and a half down in Kern County doing hazard trees along the road. What did we do? Like 30 miles of road, 40 miles of road. And uh, Jeff Glitney, the, the county forester, put it together. Had to have been the cheapest trees in California per acre <laughs> or per tree to cut because he Sitting really... right there, huh? Well, yeah. But I mean, it, you know, it's it, hazard trees are expensive and it's you got to have road guards. There's a lot of liability there. They're oh, yeah. very dangerous. We've had big problem here in this last drought in uh, California, but too, you know, too much, too much fuel, you know, that's kind of the problem I think with these fires is, yeah. you know, when, when you typically had a, you know, 15, 20, 30 trees per acre, and then you end up with 300, that's too much. And that's why these fires are so bad. I, I was telling you earlier that we were on this Creek fire. It's the single biggest fire in California history from one ignition. Wow. 380,000 acres. And I was out there, you know, we were putting line in and pulling logs away from the cutters. And, and I was looking at six and seven foot uh, sugar pine and that we were cutting down. And I thought, man, what a, these trees, you know, eight, 10 inch uh, rings to the inch, 75, 80 inches, you know, over 500 years old. And all these trees perish. Uh, in our time that we've been managing this forest from a for because a lot of those trees in their lifetime have seen fire frequencies, maybe 40, 50 times their lifetime. And then we get to manage in the forest and pretty much a lot of them here on the Sierra perished. And it's kind of a sad thing. And then when they don't get utilized possibly, and I know there's a lot of wildlife needs too, and you can leave trees out there, but a lot of them should be cleaned up. And, and I, you know, that's what forest health, that's what this logging industry is about these days is getting the forest back to a sustainable. Yeah. So uh, are you seeing more, you know, positive response toward that since the fires? Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I hate I, to say that, that if there's a positive to it, I guess so. Well, you know, it, it makes people think and, you know, that you take a picture of it, it doesn't stay that way. It changes. And we know that, the 1800s, there was a lot less brush and a lot less trees, and you could walk or ride a horse through the forest. And 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 now, you know, it you can't. And you, well, you can now in a lot of the Sierra because it burned up. But anyway, that's that's kind of part of the thing. And in, in 2008, the Sierra Cascade Logging Conference uh, honored me with the Logger of the Year while I was working for Columbia Helicopters. And the Sierra Cascade Logging Conference is about educating people and specifically uh, our youngest among us, kids. And that's where Forest Health, I think, starts is education and letting kids know that, you know, there's a lot of things downstream for our forest and a lot of things in the forest that, that, uh, are, that call it home. Mm -hmm. And we really need to, to uh, educate the youngest of our population that it needs to be managed and yeah. and uh and you know saw logs should be a byproduct of that management so anyway and and yeah. last year I, I was the uh president of the sierra i had the honor of being the president of the sierra cascade logging conference and this year uh past president i'm, I'm pr pretty heavily involved with it as well kathy uh she chairs a uh the the vendor's dinner on okay. Thursday night, yeah, puts that together, and and then she also is. Uh, how long have you chaired the been the president of the boosters here and chaired the the uh, Sierra 
or the well, I've been involved with them for over 20 years and I chair the um, annual mid Sierra loggers jamboree. It's a local jamboree that we put on here in North Fork. Okay. It will be the 61st this year. Of course, last year we didn't get to have it due to COVID and that was the first time in 60 years that we hadn't had it. Wow. The last year was the first time I had been to your conference and um, I went to the dinner and I don't know how you guys put that on. That is just huge and amazing. I was just blown away. So. Yeah. That auction dinner on Friday night. Is that Holy what you were? Yeah. That was just, I'd never been to something that was quite pretty, that, amazing. pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. People there, you know, that they were real generous and we were able to get a, uh, get a lot of money. What was it around 80 grand or 75 grand? We, spent on scholarships i think yeah we had 53 or 55 and we ended up giving out 44 but from surrounding schools within our area of influence and uh the people the people and the families are in the timber industry and uh we we generally offer these scholarships to kids that are going to be going to get some kind of resource degree hi We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress. This year, the Pacific Logging Congress will hold its annual convention in Palm Springs, November 7th through the 10th. As details become available, they will be posted on the website, www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, back to Jack. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, so, because you have... Yeah, uh, you know, a son in the business too. For somebody who might be in high school, um, looking at possibly the forest industry as a career, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, there's um, summer jobs that mm-hmm. you can get, you know, to earn a little bit of money and get familiar with it to see if you uh, like it. Uh, most kids like being out in the woods in the summertime. And uh, it's hard work. Uh, there's a lot of training involved. Uh, but, uh, and then and then you can, you know, run up through the ranks there and then you possibly go to a junior college and get your forestry degree and then move on to a state college and be a lands manager or whatever you want, a hydrologist, geologist. There's lots of different things you can do okay. in the forest. So... It's not just your basic logger out there. It's all kinds of things for him to. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Sorry the the. Do you hear back from any of the scholars that um, received your scholarships after over the years? Or. Yeah, a lot of them have got uh, some of them. I don't know about a lot of them, but quite a few have came back and been part of our conference. Okay. And a lot of them write really great letters in appreciation and, and, uh, you know, we have a, uh, we have a logging competition, uh, between, uh, some of the four-year colleges and actually a two-year college is involved with Shasta college. Oh yeah. And, uh, a lot of those kids, some of them, we gave scholarships to them and they come and, and participate in this logging competition there at the, at the, uh, conference and you know we talk to them so you form relationships with them and a, a lot of those kids that went to school and 
came and did that collegiate logging uh, there at the conference, get jobs in our industry and go on to be part of the conference. So it's it's pretty okay. cool to see. Well, and the program at Chasta College has a great yeah, pro- work program, yeah, internship. Yeah, internship and uh, lots of opportunity there. Uh, yeah, I'd heard that Shasta College had really developed a great program there, I think, for students. Is that Very good. And Reedley down here in uh, Reedley College okay. uh, has a very good program that we're trying to get involved with. But a lot of the guys, Delbert Gannon and Ted James, and, uh, you know, people that live up there in that area are, are you know, we're helping Shasta all we can, and they've got a super program. Yeah, I think I talked to them once. It's it just incredible. So there's a some student interested. I think they should give them a call too. So yeah, absolutely. And there's you know there's junior colleges scattered up and down Oregon, Washington. I mean, it's easy to to get involved. Just get you know these days, just get on the website and look. You know, Google it. Yeah. So do you? So do you see do you see a lot of opportunities? I mean, the job openings. I mean, you hear a little bit about it's hard to hire folks now. Is that kind of what you're seeing there, or, or not? Or yeah, yeah, it is. It is hard to hire them. I mean, uh, you know, you may get ten guys hired and you keep one after a year. You know, it's okay. you know, and and uh, but the one these guys that finally go through the ranks and and get training and find the right fit find the right fit are very productive and good and and uh you know there's there is lots of opportunity out there for kids that want a career in in the woods oh that's great so i heard that sierra the sierra conference is back on for this year we're going to keep our fingers crossed but yeah in may what is it may May 20th may 20th yeah we're going to have an auction in uh april okay and then the 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 fairgrounds, uh, I think Kathy Muse, our CEO. Yeah, she's a chief financial officer, but she okay. she secured the fairgrounds this year there, and uh, that's that was our opportunity. And we don't do very good with the virtual stuff. We got to be hands on, and uh, <laughs> you that know. was a, that is a hands on conference. Well, it's an exposition, you know, equipment mm-hmm. and and. Uh, you know, Cal Fire training and LTO training, and I saw you had the you had the conference. I mean, the contest with the yeah the colleges and uh, yeah yeah the collegiate yeah logging sports and there's just a lot of stuff you know that, that's available to do and it's free to the public. There, it's a great one. It is just a fabulous for one. kids to go through. Yeah, education day for the low uh, five six schools. Maybe. Maybe there's about 800 students. Yeah, about eight, seven, eight hundred. Yeah, day. on Thursday morning, pretty amazing. Yeah, I, is that how many you have? Because I saw the uh, teachers taking chunks of them through, and it just they just kept going and going and going. I was like, oh, there's a lot of kids here. So yes, it's approximately a little over 800, I think. Wow. And so, how many schools, like you know, the within like a 50 mile or circumference, or I mean, how many schools are you hitting? Probably something like that, maybe maybe a little further away. Okay. But we I think all, there was like seven different schools. Okay. Yeah, and we also have a we also have a in the woods show mm-hmm. in the spring, generally in May, um, up in Shingletown, and uh, Larry Strawn and 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 his wife Trish and 
and Delbert Gannon and Ted James, they put that one on. And uh, then we have one down at uh, Blodgett okay. out of Placerville there. Uh, and it's great. The kids, you know, I mean, I don't know, five, six schools there uh, come and they, Jeff Holland is involved with it. And they have different stations where they show different kinds of forestry activities and the kids go around in groups and look. So we're trying to reach as many kids as we can, as far as we can. And, yeah. and the guys, you know, from down South to Bakersfield all the way, almost to, to Medford, you know, there's people involved with this thing and we're trying to branch out and, and get as touch as many young people as we can and show them that there's a life and in the woods and that we need to take care of it and manage it. And we're the, we're the people that can do that. Oh, is it? Yeah. You guys are doing some great stuff. Um, is that, um, are they still going to do the, um, in the wood show this year or not, or? Uh, we're not going to do the one at Blodge. It, it was canceled. Um, uh, and, uh, I think that the one, at uh, Shingletown is still a possibility. Okay. It just depends on the school. Yeah, it depends on, yeah, that's right. The schools, whether they're going to allow it or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it, if it would have this kind of off the track here, but um, if it happens, I'm going to try to go down there and cover it in our magazine because I don't think we've done that before. So um, awesome. So you can, but you can put me to work too. I'll tell Ted James, love, put me to work. Love to have you. <laughs> so. He, he used me as a volunteer, so. Joe Miller can be your tour guide. Oh, okay, yeah, Joe can help me with that. That'd be great. <laughs> God knows what I'll find out if he's my tour guide. So. Well, I guarantee it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it does. Sounds great. So, when uh, Carol, when you're working with the dinners, um, how many folks come to that? Well, the Vendor Dinner, dinner has... Um, vendor Dinner and Past Presidents. Okay. And there was, uh, there was what, 150, 160 uh, came to that one? And then the other one is uh 600 six, 600 plus on the one that you yeah. attended on that friday night the auction dinner oh, yeah oh my god uh, i mean i was just thinking you guys must have a lot of volunteers because those 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 things are just so large so um, well the thing is you know that's how you start out is you get on a committee mm -hmm. and then you become a committee chair and then you kind of become a director if you want to get that far involved so there's lots of people that are involved in the committees that Okay. make this thing happen yeah okay. any um so for you either with the sierra cascade or your business do you guys have any goals for coming up here well you know one one thing with i believe with these conventional logging is you got to be a little bit diversified yeah. so we're we're gonna be into a little bit of helicopter logging maybe not quite so much but a little bit because we know how and, okay. and uh and then we're going to do lots of different things, you know, thinnings and we're, we're, in, we're fire. current. Yeah. Fire. We okay. were on this Creek fire for 90 days, but, and we're working on a project and worked on past year, last, last year at uh, three rivers for okay. uh, the Tulare um, County resource. Yeah. They uh, hired us to, to uh, do the, the project down there, it's a sequoia grove that's up above uh, Three Rivers there. That's uh, the Bureau of Land Management owns the property and Cal Fire uh, had got a grant from them to be able to, to try to clean that up. And 
we we thinned uh, 300 acres and cut hazard trees and so we're kind of doing everything that you can do in the woods uh and trying to make a little bit of money at it at the same time oh that sounds like a good idea so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it, it sounds like, I mean, from what I hear from other loggers too, diversification is kind of the way to go just because there are so many things that need to be done now that it's not just kind of a one-stop shop anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of all about forest health, you know, building roads correctly and, you know, uh, and being able to, to get in there and understand what it needs to be done and follow the prescription and, and thinning and removing this product and being able to market it correctly. And that's the problem with maybe in Southern California here, we could use a few more markets, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited for you guys. I mean, your son sounds like he's gung ho and if he's got you on your side on his side, it sounds like, how could they, how could it not work? So, well, yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of experience. Though. Well, we're we've got a yeah. cabin up Central Camp above Bass Lake that we may go spend more time at too here pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> time to retire and turn it over to our son. Yeah. Yes. So is that um, how many kids do you have then? Four. Okay. A daughter, a son, and I have three. We have three daughters and one son. Okay. And nine nine grandchildren. Oh my God! You are raising grandchildren. Wow. So so um. I, even if you guys retire a little bit, are you going to do the, still be, I assume, pretty heavily evolved in the Sierra Conference? Yeah, yeah, we're going to stay in it. Uh, it. You know, it's, I mean, it's a camaraderie. You know all about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you meet people and become friends and what a, what a great bunch of people. I mean, I've been, I've been a lot of different organizations in, in the aviation industry and and these guys are uh, super. I, I, I totally agree. I, that, that just, you could just sense it even I've only been there once and you could just feel it. So it was, it was just really a great experience. And, and, and we, you know, we'd like, I guess we're going to have a term here for a few years with the Pacific Logging Conference, you guys, and we want to try to help as much as we can with that. Oh, and vice versa. So put us to work too. So, uh. So, so how are things looking for you and your son's company? It's really went well. We keep our fingers crossed, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun doing it so far and he's off to a good start. So, and so I, do, how many, is it just you two or how many folks you got working for you? I, I think there's probably four or five, uh, now that are pretty steady, uh, couple of cutters and a couple of uh, operators and a couple a knot bumper or two and um when we go to uh santa cruz some of the guys that i worked with at uh, columbia that worked with me and for me are going to come help us i think uh they're, they're laid off in the winter time most generally from columbia and uh columbia is not doing quite as much logging uh, anymore so a lot of these guys are, are off and they're going to come help us and that'll be fun to see them. We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timber West Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal for making this podcast possible. 
And we want to thank Jack Thornburg for taking time out to be part of Talking Timber. If you have any ideas for speakers or topics, please feel free to send them to me at diane at pacificloggingcongress.com. Until next time, take care.